Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Thursday, July 6th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in the New York metropolitan area. That includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Caroline Ely. And I'm Christina Lulich. And here's What's What near you. The mayor's office and the Office of Emergency Management has released a list of school buildings that could be used to house migrants over the summer. There are 20 to 30 schools being closely looked at to process and temporarily shelter migrants. City Hall faced a firestorm of criticism when it previously placed migrants in school gyms. Brooklyn Council member of District 47, Ari Kagan, is leading the opposition against housing migrants in public schools. At a rally this week, he said, here we go again, why again with the schools? Kagan's district includes the Mark Twain School, which is one of the potential housing sites for migrants. Seniors across Manhattan can purchase locally grown fresh produce for $10. The annual Fresh Food for Seniors program returns to the city for its 11th year. And no subscription is required. Participants can pay as they go as long as they sign up about two weeks before the pickup date. You can sign up and pick up at the Goddard Riverside Older Adult Center. The program will run through the beginning of November. The first adult-use cannabis dispensary is opening in the Bronx today. And WFUV's Avery Loftus has joined us to share the details. Hey, Avery. Could you tell us a little more about what's going on on Tremont Avenue today? Of course, Caroline. This afternoon, Status Cannabis Company will open its doors as the first recreational licensed dispensary in the Bronx. It's also worth noting that Status is woman and minority owned. And Avery, are there any key figureheads that are going to be joining the ceremony today? Well, Christina, Vanessa Gibson, the Bronx Borough President, Luis Sepulveda, a New York State Senator, and the Status co-founders are expected to attend. There will also be a ribbon-cutting ceremony by the Dormitory Authority of the state of New York. And Avery, what exactly is Status expected to bring to the Bronx? Well, the company will sell a variety of cannabis products, from concentrates to pills, all regulated. In a press release, Status co-founder Emily Chavez also said that the company will provide livable wage jobs to the community. And if you want to stop by, their doors will open at 4.20 this afternoon. What a fitting time. Thanks so much for joining us, Avery. Thank you so much for having me. Starting today, Broadway fans can see some of their favorite performances in Bryant Park. New Yorkers can enjoy lunchtime concerts from productions like The Book of Mormon, Some Like It Hot, Wicked, and Chicago. These live shows will run through the month of July. And on this day in 2017, Jay-Z's digital-only album 444 went platinum, only five days after its release on Tidal. The music was only available to people who were subscribed to the Star Zone streaming service or Sprint Mobile customers. The Recording Industry of America requires an album to have more than 1 million sales to receive a platinum certification. So this is no small feat for a digital-only album. The Recording Industry of America only started counting streams as sales last year, with 1,500 streams equaling one album sale. This month, the WFUV Newsroom is highlighting advocacy groups trying to build a better New York City. Lately, New York has experienced an influx of migrants, and some of the most vulnerable within that population are LGBTQ and HIV-positive migrants. This week, WFUV's David Escobar sat down with Marcos Urea, a pro bono coordinator and policy assistant with Immigration Equality. 
They discuss the challenges queer migrants face in their journey and the work his organization is doing to change it. Can you just talk to me about the work that y'all are doing at Immigration Equality? Immigration Equality, we work specifically with individuals who have faced persecution in their home country as a result of their gender identity or sexual orientation uh, or because they're living with HIV. So specifically, Immigration Equality, we we have uh, uh, several different programs, but our more specific uh, uh, services are towards asylum seekers, are targeted for asylum seekers in the United States through a legal organization. So we find attorneys that can represent individuals in their immigration case. And we mentor those attorneys throughout the entire asylum process. And then uh, once granted asylum, uh, individuals have an opportunity to pursue uh, all kinds of different opportunities here in the U.S. and remain, of course, uh, legally and have access to resources and benefits that are available to, to residents and citizens of the country. The U.S. government and U.S. law actually allows for individuals based on their LGBTQ status or their status as someone living with HIV to be able to seek asylum in the U.S. And there's legal protections around that. Many people are fleeing situations that are unimaginable, face torture. The law is very clear on this, and so individuals are protected, and, and the U.S. government in that sense has, has been able to, to recognize that and, and honor that. Talk to me about the end of Title 42 in this new phase of U.S. border policy that's kind of made it difficult to seek asylum. What dangers might migrants face at the southern border? This is a, a challenge, I think, for LGBTQ immigrants, in particular LGBTQ migrants, because migrants who are queer or queer identifying are some of the most vulnerable, uh, particularly throughout the migrant process. They face extortion throughout uh, their journeys very often. And while they're waiting at the U.S.-Mexico border, and it's a very complicated issue, but there are there, there is a lack of safety measures for individuals who are waiting at the U.S.-Mexico border. And we see higher rates of violence towards LGBTQ individuals who are then oftentimes returned to a country that is a country that has made a lot of progress in terms of LGBTQ rights, but continues to uh, be unsuccessful in protecting even its own LGBTQ population, let alone migrants who are who are arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border. I mean, even for people that make it to the U.S., I can only imagine how much harder that battle gets, you know, like, can you just walk me through some of the challenges that migrants might face when they make it past the border? I think it's worth noting and recognizing the, the asylum process itself and how cumbersome it can be. Uh, so, so you know, you've made it to the U.S. now what? There are limits. So you, you are only permitted one year from the date of arrival. So uh, once you've arrived in the U.S., if you don't submit an asylum application within one year, you know, you're, you're out of luck. The asylum case will not even be heard. Certainly, I want to highlight that while you're in that process, uh, access to benefits that, that can help you kind of get established in the U.S. are very limited as well and, and, and the hardest at that point in time. So access that you, while you're waiting for an asylum claim, you don't have access to any sort of food benefits. You can't apply for food stamps. You can't apply for any health care benefits. And that's while your case is pending. What's one thing you wish the general public knew about the people like the clients you serve at Immigration Equality? I had a client at one point in time who who made it to the U.S. who had never been out in his home country, and who had been in a country that was that was you know very homophobic. That should his family have found out, surely they 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 would have killed him. He arrived through the U.S. Mexico border. He was held in detention for 
a period of months before eventually being released. And uh, there was a point in time eventually where, where he did win asylum. When he went to his first Pride event, he had told me that he, just, he couldn't believe like what, what his eyes were seeing. Like he couldn't believe that he could be himself, that he could be open. The one thing that I wish people would take away is, is the understanding that it's part of the human experience, the human spirit to want to live an authentic life, to want to live as yourself. What individuals want, what people want, what people need is to be able to live as themselves, to live authentically, to be able to love, to be able to, uh, you know, have a normal life. That was WFUV's David Escobar speaking with Marcos Urea, a pro bono coordinator and policy assistant with immigration equality. And that's our show for today. But before we go, consider joining us for this year's Boat experience on August 18th. Join DJs Elisa Ali, Delphine Blue, and Benham Jones for a 90s-inspired night of dancing, trivia, and more. Spots on the cruise around Manhattan usually go fast, so make sure to grab some of your friends and your tickets today on Eventbrite. And don't forget to check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and more. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Christina Lulich. And I'm Caroline Ely. And that's What's What.